Welcome to the B-Side Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Frank, and today I am joined by Chris, a.k.a. Hambone. <laughs> How's it going, guys? So, what do you want to start with? You want to, you want to tell your first deer kill story? Because that's probably the most entertaining. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, if we're going to be talking about comedic deer hunting, then yeah, we, we can get into that. <laughs> All right, so let me tell my side of the story, <laughs> and then I will let Chris fill in the details. So it's probably about 9 o'clock in the morning. I get a call from him at work, and he's like, bro, bro, I just shot a deer, and he's super excited. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, how long ago? How long has it been, like, sitting there and all? And he's like, oh, you know, uh, it's been like like five minutes. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I called my brother and I called you. And I was like, all right. So when you start looking for it, let me know. And if you need help, I'll leave work. So do you want to tell? It the- was, uh, <clears throat> it, so let's start off by saying it was, it was definitely an emotional morning. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, <laughs> so I start the morning off bow hunting, by the way, that's, I feel like I enjoy a lot of bow hunting more than rifle hunting. So uh, I'm hunting this clear cut back of a buddy of mine's property. And uh, granted, I've been hunting at this point for probably about uh, four or five years. And uh, I, I just started bow hunting the year before this had all happened. So like any other year, I drop cameras, I drop corn out. Frank and I will go into the back and uh, just trying to see what kind of what kind of deer we had in the area. Ended up getting a lot of does, a buck here and there, small bucks. But I mean, at this point, a deer is a deer. I'm not looking for necessarily a wall hanger. So there was a lot of failed attempts before this morning. And this one morning, I get set up, I'm hunting from the ground, inside of a brush line. And about 6.30, you can just start seeing. I mean, it's still kind of dark, but you can just start seeing. I see two doe down this clear cut, probably about 100, 110 yards, which obviously is well out of bow range, and there they go right over the train tracks. So in my mind, at 6.30 in the morning, this hunt's over with. But the rule of thumb is at least hunt till 9, 10 o'clock, right? So I'm sitting there, and it wasn't shortly after that I start seeing more does pop out of this wood line. So there's probably a set of four of them and they start walking towards me. The wind's to my face. They don't have a clue I'm there. Now I'm getting excited. And these does are just coming in on a string. They all stop at my feeder, which is about 40, 42 yards out. And I'm getting situated to make the kill. You know, I start start my draw and I realize I'm positioned wrong in my gun bucket. So I turn to the right to get a little bit better set up and she looks at me. Now at the time I was unaware if a doe or a buck even is ever looking at you do not let that arrow go because she's gonna make a fool out of you really quick really quick so I make the shot and she ducks my arrow. At this point I'm on the verge of tears I'm texting my brother saying I missed one I'm about to sell all my hunting equipment, which I'm sure we've all been there before, huh, Frank? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I've done it with rifle rifle hunting before. You sit there and you think you got a sure shot and squeeze the trigger and the deer walks off. You go over there and you find the the mud pile that you hit 25 yards behind the deer and it's just because you bumped your your scope on the way out there and screwed it all up. Uh, there's there's I mean there's several issues that can arise to to bring this about regardless of you know you put a lot of work in you put a lot of time in you put a lot of effort in. Um, you know, and to have that happen is just so disheartening. And uh, it wasn't even five minutes before another set of does come out. This was a mama doe and a, a yearling. They're coming down the clear cut line, and um, I'm not necessarily going to shoot at a doe with a yearling. Um, you know, some people might. I'm just not that kind of guy. Um, well, about midway between that, a, another doe pops out by herself. And I tell myself, she pops out right on the food, right on the uh, on the feeder. And I say, okay, well, this is the one. Well, this time, I'm positioned correct. She's yarded out at about 38 yards. And um, I draw back. Everything's looking smooth, except for the 30-pound squirrel that was behind me and decided to ruffle the trees. So once again, she looks my way, and I tell myself, she's about to jump off. So let me let me let the shot go, and once again, she ducks the arrow. So, so that's number two arrow that was slung down range at approximately the same area that morning. And and mind you, this is all within about a twenty minute span of time. The first deer, remember, the first deer I saw was at six thirty. The shot that I actually connected on was at about seven oh eight, seven ten in that range. So. Once again, another arrow was flung, another deer was not hit, and now I'm all kind of messed up sitting here in this uh, in this little brush blind I'm in. And like I said, this this was a it must have been God wanted me to kill a deer this morning because it it might have been five, ten minutes later, two three more does come out. Now this time they get about 15 yards from the feeder, and this buck comes out. And he's chasing them. He's uh, he's putting nose to their tails, and he's you know he, he's almost looking like he's in a rut, even though this was not the time of year to be in rut. But uh, he actually chases them off, and he turns quartering away from me at at 42 yards. So here we are once again, range fine, 42. I put the pin on him, and I drop the hammer, and I actually heard the meat pop. I don't know if y'all heard of the, the infamous meat pop, but I heard the meat pop this time. Yeah. Um, so my time frame was off at 9 o'clock. It was probably like 7.15 that yeah. that phone call yeah. went. But, <clears throat> so, um, so I heard the meat pop, and I'm going crazy. And actually uh, sitting here but not talking right now is my wife. And she asked me one time years ago, who's the first person you would ever call if you shot something, would it be me or your brother? And I was, I thought honesty was the best policy. I said my brother. Well, she didn't like that answer. So this morning I made sure to text her first that I shot something. And I, when I tell you, I could barely hold my phone. I texted the wife first and then immediately uh, called my brother because now I'm, I'm in freak out mode. Uh, I was excited. I was nervous. You know, especially when bow hunting, um, you start second guessing your shot. You know, was it too far back? Did it did it get in the kill zone? 
uh, was it as good of a shot as you thought it was? So that's all the emotions running through my head. And my brother being big brother said, look, calm down, go look at the kill spot, look for blood and then leave. He said, go get a cup of coffee, uh, let it sit for about 30, 40 minutes. So I did. And that's when I called Frank. Where you at, dude? I'm working, he says. <laughs> and I mean, I had only been at work probably an hour at this point. I looked at my boss and I was like, look, cuz, I said, if he ain't found this deer by 1030, y'all can put me down for the rest of the day sick because I believe it. <laughs> you know, it's nice to have a friend group that, uh, <laughs> that you can count on when it comes to these situations, especially being your first kill. Um, we ended up having a buddy of ours, Josh, come out, and uh, he helped me locate the deer. Not that it was it was this hard to find. Um, from the spot that I had shot him up until the point he had cut into the woods, there was only a few drops of blood here and there, so I was getting nervous. And, um, you know, that's, like I said, it was first time I ever shot a deer, first time I ever shot anything with a bow, you know, a lot of people don't realize that that cavity has to fill up before you actually start seeing sign. So here I am uh, in a bad place at this point because I'm like, okay, we have no blood. I don't know where this thing's at. I don't know if he ran five miles. Who knows? So we're walking, we're walking. I lose blood. Then I start backtracking to the last spot I found. I said, wait, you know, let me cut into the woods and see if, if this is where he turned in. So I'm looking, I'm looking down, I'm looking down, I'm looking down, nothing. And some just told me, look further in and see what you got. And it was about 20 yards, 15, 20 yards into the woods on side of this tree. Uh, it, it looked like a crime scene. Now, this isn't a crime podcast, but that's what it looked like, was a crime scene. And it was at that point that all those negative emotions went away and I was refired back up and I was on a hunt. I was like a bloodhound. I needed to get I needed to get my hands on them. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the probably if you're new to hunting is the biggest thing I'll say is if if you're not finding great sign, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing because the first deer I ever shot at we never found, but it was drops, drops, and then we found an area that had enough blood that it looks like you could have painted a room with. Right, right. And it was just, it was a bad hit, or it wasn't a fatal hit, and deer don't know die. They, they don't understand what death is. So if you blow a leg off, if they can still live, they're going to live. And that could have been what it was, but what we were finding is where the deer had bedded down, bled out a little bit, and... Of course, you know, like if you have a dog that ever gets blood on it, its fur gets covered in it, and then everywhere it moves, it transfers it. Right, right. So that that's one of the best things, though, I could say is actually look ahead. See what – so like I was saying, the best thing I would say is look ahead because – and then if you run out of sign, you know, when you run out of that sign, sometimes you want to even look behind you because – I've done that. You'd be on your hands and knees, and they tell you, especially if you're in an area where you have a bunch of deer trails, a lot of times we'll get two or three people on their hands and knees and crawl, and it'll be like, all right, this splits off here. There's nowhere to know where this goes. So you go to the right one. I'll go to the left one. You go down the center, and whoever gets blood will just come to you. 
yeah. and then start looking from there. Well, as a as a as somebody who's before this day and since this day never killed a deer, um, you know, you go you, you find yourself going off of these these weathered guys, these guys who've been hunting for years and kill consistently, and um, you can't compare yourself. Much like a lot of other things in the hunting and fishing world, you can't compare yourself to somebody else or somebody else's situations, but it's it's easy to do that. So I find myself, you know, like I said, second-guessing that shot. Um, I mean, tensions are high when you have deer coming in on you like that for your first time ever, or when you, um, you know, when you, when you pull the trigger and you actually see, okay, that was a connection. You know, but you find yourself like, okay, what do these guys on these shows do? You know, what are these guys? But you got to realize these guys are professionals. You know, they have a team of people assisting them. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But what you have to tell yourself is, you know, try to stay calm. Uh, you definitely don't want to, you definitely don't want to spook the deer and get him to jump up because now you're in a really bad spot. Um, luckily, once we found Big Blood... I mean, he wasn't another 20 yards past that. And uh, looking back on just minutes after the kill, we're talking a minute or two, I did hear a large crash into this swampy area, and that's where we found him at. So um, essentially, I could have got up right off my, my gun bucket and, and went and pulled him out. But um, like I said, you, you want to go off of these you know, oh, don't jump them, let them sit overnight. Unfortunately, in southeast Louisiana, between the coyotes and the heat, you really don't want to leave things sitting over overnight down here. Even in the cooler months, it doesn't get uh, that cold where you, where you could just comfortable enough to leave the meat sit out uh, overnight. Yeah, you know? yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, we always, I like to, one of the hardest things in, is learning how to track. Because think about it. When do you get to do it? When you shoot a deer. Well, that place we were hunting at that he actually shot that deer on, the biggest lie I thought he told me was that he saw that many deer. <laughs> because up until then, I think I had seen a decent rack of a deer back there, but I couldn't get a shot off on right. him. And I think that's the... We've always seen, like, what other deer <laughs> back there alive. What? <laughs> Besides our trail cameras, look, you're not the you're not the only one uh, out of the probably four of us that knows that area that was surprised, and uh, so so the ongoing joke is that uh, you got one out of three, and I mean to have that opportunity, like I said, I feel like something more was on my side that morning because, like Frank was saying, we just don't see that amount of deer back there. Due to the pressure, I mean, you know, you have everybody, um, everybody and their grandma wants to hunt back there. So you really don't get those opportunities too often. And, and then the, the pieces of property we hunt back there are what they call French long lots, pretty much. And the way the original lots were designed back there, they ran from the river to a central focal point. So they were kind of pie-shaped, not necessarily all the time. Sometimes you have random property lines that cut across but so you might only have 30 yards but it's a half a mile long that you're hunting right. well that's exactly what it is it's, yeah. it's 30 yards and it, it'll go back you know 
900 yards. So you're on your 30 yards. We had permission to we have permission to hunt the 30 yards next to us. So that's only 60 yards 60 wide. 60 yards. But in between the two, there's an access road for the trade tracks. <laughs> so. So in typical B-side fashion, you uh you use what you got, even if it's steel leaders. But that's that's on another show. Yeah, that's uh, that's not. I mean. But you use you use what you got, and um. It doesn't necessarily mean you can't get the job done. It just means you have to pay that much more attention to where they're moving and what time of the year. Um, I it, It's hard to track deer in an area that's so pressured because you're never going to get to a point where you just, okay, this time of the year they're coming in on the front side or this time of the year they're coming on the back side of the property. It's kind of one of those luck of the draw mornings. Um, and I hate to say that about hunting, you know, especially if you, one of the guys that's out here putting in work, walking miles on miles. Um, the area we're talking about, you don't have the miles on miles to hunt. And that's why I'm kind of grateful that we do have such large WMAs in Louisiana because, I mean, there's spots you have 70,000 acres to hunt, you know, 40,000 acres to hunt, and they're literally all over the state all over the state yeah i mean and taking the wmas is great and i guess this would be a good time to segue into our next section uh we're talking about the new structuring of (laughs) of licenses in louisiana and the reason i'm using the wma to segue it which i have a lifetime license so for me when they were like oh we're restructuring it we're making the lifetime license include more i'm like i'm all for it because now I just now I don't have to buy any trap license, no extra. So wait, your trapper's license no. comes in on your lifetime. So no, 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 no. The trapper license is actually a commercial license. Okay. So every year it has to be bought, and it's it's thirty five bucks, and that goes strictly to fur bearer management and that side of things, and, and, and trapper education. Now, let me ask you this before we get back to the WMA and the new rules, uh, which I might be getting offhand here because this is another. Uh, long subject, but you know, here we are in the living room. With your trapper's license, are you still able? Are you able to do things like uh, sell the tails for the Nutra and the coyote pelts and things of that sort with that license, or is that something else? Yeah, yeah. So with the trapper's license, um, you can sell pelts, hides, uh, meat, and the Nutra tails. Now, I'm not exactly sure how the program is for the Nutra hunting because I don't have any property that I'm on. Um, certain WMAs in Louisiana, you can join the, the Nutra hunting program, which we're actually later on in the podcast going to talk about trapping Nutra and what they're used for in a new segment. And um, so, so that we'll, 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 we'll get back to the, uh, to the yeah. WMA or the rule, the, the new rules for the. Yeah. 22-23 season, I just wanted to ask because that yeah. was just a question on my mind. And I, I do know a few of the listeners are interested in the um, who who don't hunt down here or from down here, they live here now, interested in things like the Nutra season, trapping, you know, in general, raccoons and that sort. But um, so I'm just going to open up and say my take on the new the new regulations it's kind of a double-edged sword for me. So so I just pulled up my license just to make sure I understand what's covered. 
And in previous years, I had to buy a crab trap license. I had to buy a crawfish and that's, that's recreational. That's recreational. This is all recreational on top of it. Um, but the crab nets come with your basic fishing and salt. Yes. Water. Okay. Well, since they've changed the regulations with the lifetime license, <clears throat> there is literally my residential trapper, which will never be included because it is a commercial license. And this year I was fortunate enough to draw alligator tags, so I have an alligator sport hunter's license. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to that and on of the course, YouTube page. Yeah. Um, of course, you still have the federal duck stamp that you have to buy. Cause well, that's, that's, I mean, it and, says it in the name, federal. Yeah. You know, and then so. the HIP certification, which is a free thing. So right. I spent an extra 70 bucks, 60 bucks this year. Right. But 25 of that is the alligator license that... I won't have right. to buy unless 70, I get drawn. Seventy in. bucks opened you up to uh, a whole different uh, yeah. avenue of hunting, which, yeah. let's face it, that's what Louisiana is all about. Yeah, it's different avenues to hunt and fish because, as you all know, we definitely do a little different down here on the B side. Yeah, definitely. And but, uh, dude, I'm really looking forward to that gator hunt. You, you, you don't even have a clue. <laughs> Tell Vinny he's got enough. He's got enough boat. To fit my big self in there, because I'm ready to go. So, so did I tell you? Do they rent mud boats, Frank and Lafitte? Because I need to know this now. I don't know, but if anybody, if anybody's in Lafitte that wants to rent their mud boat for alligator season, let me know. Let me know. I got a gang of dudes willing to go. I got one of them. He's not talking, but I got one of them sitting right here. My my 13 year old son. He's ready. He's ready to go. There he is. It's it's definitely like if, and in my opinion, I. From now on, I'm gonna put in for the the three the, even though it co- it costs five dollars a year for a lottery to put in for a lottery, which is it's not actually speaking of lotteries, uh, guys who aren't familiar with the lottery system in Louisiana who do have children under the age of 18, or actually I think it's 19 now you can hunt up to 18. Um, put your kids in. You have till August 31st to put your kids in for lottery hunts in WMAs across the state you can put them in for ducks turkey deer um it's five dollars per tag uh so you know who doesn't have that to spare and it gives the kids they hunt in restricted areas on these wmas so areas we can't get into when we're normally hunting it lets these kids get in there and get a better chance at uh actually seeing some game and, and potentially harvesting said game yeah um so but besides the lottery with the alligator, like I said, I'll be putting in every year. This year, I drew on my first year of ever putting in. I didn't even know they had these lotteries until the end of last duck season. And me and, and got ben, on some fr- and three tags <laughs> and drew three three tags. Which, so the way it is is you draw for your WMA. Vinny's ears must be burning right now because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he liked the message I sent him. So what I was saying is, me and, um, so Vinny's boat actually, I got a text message from his boat, he found a seal leaking on his mud boat like last week. So we brought it to the shop, and uh, I was like, oh, I need to figure something out. And I'm like, I don't know who who has a mud boat, and one of my uncles has a long shaft, but I ain't running to Salvador from anywhere with a long shaft. Like, yeah. we we can take turns. (laughs) So... And then the other one, uh, my little cousin has a pro drive that has the stick steer on it. And I was thinking about him, and I was like, man, I really don't want to take his, you know, because it kind of eats 
the stick steering mechanism and all eats up yeah, that much. Yeah, it's on top mode. It eats up a lot of your Yeah. So, and with that, you have a 18-foot flat boat, you know. You know what you could do is well, uh, go buy one. Yeah, well, <laughs> as soon as I pay my four-wheel off, that's the plan. But. You could go get you one, Frank. So then we, we started thinking again. I was like, who else? So I talked to one of my uncles and my other uncle, and I was like, hey, man, your boat's running? Because I know he blew the motor on it. Was that the boat we tried to go uh, get to your house with? No, 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 that motor screwed up too. <laughs> so listen, in the last like three months. We're not trying to tell you guys not to go buy mud boats. They come in handy. They're great. Just because 18 people, Frank knows, with busted motors doesn't mean they're all negative consequences for running them. Yeah, I mean, but you have to understand. One of, one of them just, we... It's a, it was a used motor. The one we used was a used motor when to they bought it. To attempt to get to your house? Yeah, that yeah. we used to attempt to get to my house. Yeah. And um, that one that one started having... He thought he was actually out of fuel. Then he put fuel in it <laughs> thought he put bad fuel in it. And he couldn't figure it out, so he actually had to send it to the shop. My, my uncle that has the gator tail that he's going to let me use if I need it for alligator season had to put a new power head on his... But he's a special breed of pe- person. Like, when you say somebody lives on the edge, that dude lives on the edge and sometimes just, like, falls off of it. <laughs> so what What was his price tag for letting you use his boat for your gator tags? <laughs> so his price tag was, yeah, that's fine. I just want to come take a ride with you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds to be the take. Dude, I got a guy at work that uh, I went duck hunting with, um, and I was talking to him about it. He's like, dude, let me know. He's like, look, I don't even want to go wrestle a gator. I don't want to shoot him. I don't want nothing. I just want to go watch that whole process because, uh, surprisingly enough, there's not a lot of outdoor people in Louisiana that – I mean, there's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people that don't know uh, what goes into alligator hunting and the process afterwards, you know. Yeah. I'm and- one of them. I'm telling you right now, if i got to take a floaty out there, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> so – we were actually talking, um, and like Vinny's big thing with his boat is it's so slow. Like, so in two, I think it's 2014 is his gear motor. Frank, have you seen the size of the people you hang out with? They're all pretty much slow. <laughs> Let's just be honest. So, no. So his boat, they, so Pro Drive, if anybody that's in that, that has a mud boats are all, know that. The claim to fame with a pro drive is that the lower unit ratchets around, and when you put gas to it, you get a full oh, yeah. on you, power. Any reverse. boat you can get on plane in reverse, yeah. you know, is sometimes worth its weight in gold. <laughs> so, but it's the forward that'll mess you up. Well, yeah. So the the problem with the pro drives are, yeah, they'll get the boat in reverse on plane, just going forward, they're doing yeah. like half a mile an hour. <laughs> right, it's the cinder block so, syndrome. We're going to have to figure that out and see, you know, because with the Gator, I'm allowed to have helpers, but when I went to go pick up my tags, I had to have their information to put down on my tags. So, okay. like, Vinny's, Vinny's actually the only person authorized to do anything with the alligator besides me. I'll drive. <laughs> so, back to... The licensing restructure because we got way off topic. Way off key. Way. But like I said, I mean, you're doing when you do outdoor stuff, you're doing you're talking fishing and hunting. You could go on forever 
about a million different topics. So that's why I feel like this is going to be a lot of jumping off here, jumping off there. But we can get back to the licensing, especially that WMA uh, somewhat of an issue that I have with it. We'll get into that. So uh, there's two different big issues. I don't think the price increase of any of the licenses was any issue. No, that's... It, well, well, we'll talk about it, it's, that. It's the cost of doing business, you know. Everything went up, and like I think a fishing license went from twenty two fifty to twenty five. I'm not sure. Like no, I said, I've, that was uh, twenty seven to thirty. <laughs> Why don't we pull it up while while we're sitting here? Yeah, let me, let me <laughs> see. Well, so while you're pulling that up, yeah. I'll talk about a few things that, um. Not rub me wrong. It, it is what it is. You, you're going to do it anyway. But when it comes to your WMA hunts, uh, your WMA permit last year was free. You just needed the WMA permit, which would state that you're going to clear the, the hunting. The hunting one was 15 The The hunt on a WMA was a 15 or $20 permit. This year it's... No, this year it's $20. Yeah, hang on. Um, but I know to anybody that goes on it is now $20. Plus the added seven per night if you're camping on WMA property. Yeah. That part I don't understand. So I know last year everybody had to have to hunt on it a WMA permit. And I'm trailing off because I cannot multitask just to let y'all know. I probably have a license from years past sitting on top of my refrigerator. <laughs> but, and I want to say that WMA permit was free, Frank. So they have and a... now it's it's 20 so I know definitely what it was is they changed to and look I'm not even mad that that there's a price tag on it now I just I my question is is that actually going to that WMA for for upkeep for conservation uh issues things of that sort that's I think if the state's going to continue to upcharge on things look everything is going up we know this but if, if you're going to upcharge things on WMAs, let that be transparent. You know, let us see where this money's going. Put out a memo or just something saying, okay, look, this year we opened up a different part of the territory because we had X amount of money extra this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to upcharge, that's fine, but let us know what you're doing with that. Even if you're paying the agents and the wildlife biologists more, that's fine, but let us see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so what I found on the WMA thing was if you participate in any activity on a WMA or conservation area, you have to have a self-clearing permit, which that's that's still a free permit. Yeah. Um, and you can, most of the time, you can stop before, right when you get into a WMA, they'll have a little check station. <clears throat> Or there's an app that you can download, and it allows you to do it on your phone, which is the easiest way to do it because half the time I forget to check out. Yeah, that's. I'm not big on phone apps and this and that, but I'll tell you what, the Louisiana check-in app, yeah. I, I downloaded that one for sure. When we, we went scouting, um, it just makes it you know a little more fluid so, to get on and, and off the WMA. Now they have the WMA access permit. And they changed the name because it, it was like the hunt. It was a hunting permit that you had to have right. in years past to hunt a WMA. Well, I know they went up on the price, I think. Don't quote me because 
I, like I said, I don't care because I've never bought a hunting license. Well, because yeah. I have a lifetime license since I was 14 years old. Well, not only that, you you don't even hunt in the state. Well, I mean, well, you do, but I, yeah, well, hunt. I neutral hunt, duck hunt, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But I don't deer hunt really in the state. Right on the yeah, but. The access permit, the biggest change with that was it used to be just for hunting you had to have it. Well, this year, if you do anything on a WMA, you have to have this permit. Oh, yeah, if you're trail riding. Yeah, if, if you're, you're walking. Even if you, yeah, hike, you, if you just walk on hiking, it. I mean, it doesn't matter. And, Taking pictures. Yeah. And like I said, it's not even that it's that much money. It's not even that um, it's going to deter people from going and doing these activities. I just feel like if you're going to bring this up, let it be known that this is actually going towards that WMA. Yeah, I know. You know the misappropriation of funds. Uh, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah, that... But when we we're not doing that on the B side. <laughs> but um, you know, let us see where that money's going. I think that would uh, ease a lot of people's pains it, as far as the increase. And I'm sure if we look through the departments. Uh, reports and all that they do every year you can see that right and i know i actually had a wildlife agent we asked what what the purpose of the um wma check-in was and he said it's actually a multi-purpose thing and the check-in is to see how many people access that property which i when i first started hunting there because the check-in was never um it was never you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to. It was it was kind of one of those things where they wanted you to check in, check out. Now I'm talking about uh, self clearing, like your your yeah. deer kills. Yeah, that's you have to check in, and that's that's a safety thing. So if they say okay, um, you know, deer season's closed, and there's still two guys that never checked out. Now they're going on a search. Are these two guys still? So that's I understand yeah. that part, but the self clearing thing, they're getting more on that now, which. Uh, it's kind of interesting just because they want to see the the hunter to kill ratio, yeah. you know, because that's how they do their numbers and they figure out their seasons. Because a WMA season will change from one year to the next. We used to hunt, um, we used to hunt a seven day primitive either sex season, my brother and I, and that got shut down to two days now, and um, that actually deterred a lot of guys from going because that seven day hunt was that was a big hunt for a lot of guys, but you were noticing, you know, a lot of these deer just weren't showing up like they were years prior. So I'm not upset at things like that. Like I said, my only, I guess, tussle with the was just the money issue. Yeah, and I'm sure if you go on the state's website, you can find all all of that. But what's really different about, like, hunting license fees and all of that, most of that money is automatically earmarked for the game and fish agency. Right. Like there and there's a lot of then the reason they do that is because there's a lot of grants that they can get out of like the Pittman Robertson fund and all. And it's match money. Well, how do you generate match money? Right. Licensing fees and all. And when they changed the WM WMA access permit, everybody was like, Oh my gosh, I gotta get it to go fishing or to go hiking and to go well, so like I'm gonna use Pearl River. Because Salvador, you can't really say they do much management because it's all private boat launches or public boat launches you're launching from anyway. Right. Going there. Right. But, like, on um, Pearl River, 
They have roads all through it, trails that they have to maintain. Exactly. Well, look, that, not and, just Pearl River. I mean, a lot of WMAs, yeah. like, uh, let's go aside from Salvador, but most yeah. of you at WMAs, if you, if you pull up the WA map of Louisiana or any other state, um, you'll see that there's a lot of public access roads through these WMAs, and that's just that's just one of the things. But not only that, once you get on to them, you're, uh, you're, there's boat launches inside of these WMAs. There's a lot of ATV trails. You know, there's culverts that have to be put in. Like I said, yeah. I'm not necessarily upset that, uh, you know, yeah, money goes up, things go up, things cost a lot more now than they used to. Uh, that's not what my, my thing is. My thing is if they're going to up that, make sure that, okay, this culvert that was jacked up a year ago, okay, next year that's not going to be an issue anymore. That's yeah. all, you know, that's yeah, all. Yeah, so what, so I asked because, I'm not scared. Everybody's like, oh, man, you asked some of the strangest questions to game wardens and all, and I'm like. I mean, if you want to know something, that's about yeah. to ask. <laughs> yeah, if I get stopped, you know? I'm going to ask, you know. Cause, I'll tell you what, I'm probably the most square dude when it comes to hunting and fishing because I, uh, I don't want to lose my license, right? Yeah, that's how I am. Like, we got stopped, and I asked them, I said, what's the purpose of, I understand it's, like, for tracking, but do they use it for anything else, the access, per, uh, the self-clearing permit? And he was like, yeah, so actually – what they're doing with that is they take the numbers from the people that go on it and realize where funding needs to be reallocated. Right. So, like, for example, let's say Pearl River says, hey, we got a culvert that collapsed that needs to be replaced. We need $50,000 to replace this culvert because God knows when you get into the government, the price is always, like, quadruple what oh, me or you could do. Right, of course. <laughs> Three rednecks and a case of beer yeah. have it done next weekend for 80 bucks. Yeah. The price of the culvert and a tank of diesel, <laughs> it'll be done. Right. But right. so what'll happen a lot of times. And that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's exactly so, what I'm getting at. And that's that's where it is, is because, for example, if replacing like a culvert on the our property in Tylertown, we go over there with, an, with a, our own excavator, dig it up, shove the new culvert in, and we're done. Right, but when you take in the like the government, they want oh you need to do an ecological study on how it's going to affect right the right, right. the red toed frog that's been living in the ditch next to it for you know, eighty for eighty yeah. years before you replace this culvert right right and then you know and you that's, gotta, and look that's fine that's that's yeah. all okay just just let the hunters know or the fishermen or the hikers or whoever's going on these properties you know. Put something out there that lets them know, hey, uh, all your efforts and, and all your extra time and money is going to to the right areas of these WMAs, you know? Yeah, because, but, so it'll be like, all right, you got 80, you know, so they do these studies, they do all of this to get there, and then they replace it. But my thing was when they expanded that WMA access permit to include other than hunters, I was like, that's great because... In case you don't know and you live in Louisiana, you have to have that permit to do anything on it except drive through a WMA. If Now, if you get caught on a road that terminates on that WMA, yeah. you still have to have that yep. permit. Yep. But, like, for example, I think Highway 11 runs through Pearl River. So you can drive through Highway 11, but as soon as you stop, legally you're supposed to have that permit. And, I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure, depending on the situation, if you yeah. stop with a flat tire, yeah, obviously that, not going to, But you know, and, but if you stop getting out and go hiking, that's something you're going to have to have now. Yeah, and that's what the whole purpose, <clears throat> I think, was, is because the hunters were upset that, 
why do I have to pay for your recreational activity? Right? Right. And then everybody else got mad because now they have to pay. But the flip side of that coin is like Elmer's Island Refuge. That's now you have to have the access permit plus the self-check-in to go on it. And years gone by. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you have to have the self-check-in? Because anytime you go on a WMA now or state-owned, I don't know Elmer's. Oh, Elmer's it's Island. Not a WMA, it's state-owned. It's it's a state-owned wildlife refuge. Oh. So you have to have the access permit and the self-clearing. And nobody's permit. going there hiking, bro. Let's just be no. honest. Nobody's they're going, going there, there to fish. Right, you're going fishing. So I think <laughs> I think it was a way for the state to generate a lot more money. To, right. Well, to, you know, for yeah, Louisiana. And like one day, that's like I said about trapping license. It stays in the trapping community, and I'm fine with that. I think, and I understand you got all these WMAs, and like me, I'll pay my WMA, or I don't pay my WMA permit because I got a lifetime <clears throat> license, but right. for me, I I go on Salvador. I go on... You need to start looking at um, a lot of those WMAs up centrally located yeah. for trapping because a lot of that... Um, there's a lot of seasons of trapping that that's offset from hunting season. Like it's just trapping. Only now it's mostly hogs to eradicate that issue. Yeah. But uh, for the purpose of you know the YouTube channel or or even the podcast about trapping, when we get on that uh, topic, it just opens more avenues. I don't know if you yeah. knew about that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so. We went through, me and Vinny with Pelican Bones, if y'all don't know, do a lot together because he lives like, I could literally throw a rock out of my window and break his back window. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm not athletic at all when it comes to throwing stuff. So <laughs> that's Not just lot. throwing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so. I'm right there with you, buddy. We went, we went and started doing, we went to, through the trapping class and all like, Oh, you can trap WMAs. Oh, what what about Salvador? And they're like, oh, except for Salvador. What? So, what it was is when they found they founded Salvador. All right. So when they founded Salvador, and they were trying to get this public land, they had people that were living off of this land. Um, my wife's uncles, or my wife's relatives, somehow. I don't know. His name's Smoochie. I don't know if that's his real name. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> did you just say smoochy smoochy smooch so look that is an fbo name i know that boy is from the feet i know that boy is from the feet west where you go uh, oh. <laughs> dude i think they should just conjoin we go and lafitte and just make one big ass well if you really if you realize how close it actually is by water they're I mean, not... if you ever go through lafitte you feel i mean if you ever go through west we it looks like a feet. Everybody and their grandma got shrimp boots on. Yeah, but so anyway, so when they originally started Salvador, they had families that owned the alligator rights, the trapping rights, and all that. And at the time, there was money in that. So these guys were like, I don't want to get rid of them rights. You well, can, yeah, I mean, who does? Know. And so they came Natural. to an agreement was that... From what I understand, now this may be wrong, but as long as the family keeps the tags and the rights to trap, Salvador will never be open to the public to trap. So to this day, there's families that have the rights? Yes. And that's, prevent, that's, that's, pre preventing. that's preventing 
recreational trappers from going or really yeah i didn't know that yeah so and then which i'll be honest man i think that's kind of awesome yeah i think it holds some sort of authenticity towards the hunting and travel community yeah because if you i mean dude you've been hunting and fishing down here as long as i have every coin is more or less fishing and hunting too and trapping but uh, every corner you turn now is uh it's posted posted well i own this i own this i own this i own this at least that keeps it in the hands of the small man, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's definitely a different um, topic that I really don't want to go on this tangent, but... We won't. We won't. We won't. We won't. We'll stick to WMAs and the so, rules. So... That's another sore subject, if you guys didn't know. Yeah. And uh, we'll discuss that probably on a later podcast, because some laws went into effect a few years ago that... So, all right, I'm just going to stay this, and then we're going to get on this topic, because I can't. <laughs> it can't help it. It can't help it. So, Louisiana always had, if you own the bottom, or if you own each side, you don't own the bottom. If it's water, you can't own it. The only way you could gate a canal was if it dead-ended on your property. Now, let's say it went 100 yards dead-ended, but... It dead ended into a pond that had another one going out, and it went across it. You couldn't at that point. Yeah, gate you it. can't gate that off. So, but try telling people that. So, well, they some some politician came in that probably family owned a ton of land, and said, "Well, let's change it to where if you own each side of the canal, now you own the canal." So the issue gets here is. <sighs> So now you can put a fence across what used to be a navigable waterway. And my thing is, that's fine if you want to do that, but now you should have to pay taxes on everything nobody can access on. And I don't I'm, know how I'm, that I'm, works. I, you know, Just take the fence down, man. If yeah. we're not ruining your property, take so, the fence yeah, down. Yeah, but that, like, let's get back to W. Yeah, yeah like Frank said. <laughs> and I knew once he started, he wasn't going to stop. Guys. <laughs> I knew it. So... <laughs> There, a lot of your WMAs you can trap on, and any of them south of I-10, excluding some of them, you can also get with the Nutra program. So for y'all that aren't from Louisiana or not familiar with the Nutra program, Louisiana has a bounty on out on Nutra as an outlawed quadruped. What are those tails running these days? Six dollars a tail. Six, okay. Six. They were they were four for the longest time. Yeah, and then I think they went up to five for a couple of years, and yeah, and but, they're really becoming a problem. So it's gonna help. Yeah. You know. So, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what you have to be on the Nutra program. I think you actually have to have a trappings license. Well, that's why I was asking you about your license before, if yeah. it includes all of that, because um, in order to turn your tails in, you have to have a license. You can't just yeah. go willy-nilly I, I believe so. shooting Nutra, you and, and your it, partners. And so you know. along with that is you have to have permission or own property south of I-10 or 12. So let me explain this when I'm saying this because in case you ain't here. So I-10 pretty much runs straight. It gets to Baton Rouge and then dips down to New Orleans. Well, 12 would keep that basically that going straight across going the straight state. across the state right. so whenever you hear 10 12 south right. of 10 or 12 it's because it's the best straight essentially line. south of baton rouge yeah that's what he's talking about yeah so anything south of 10 or 10 12 is 
can be eligible for this program for Nutra because we don't have much up north. But and on private property, you can kill them year round, I believe. Right. Um, but there is an actual season to hunt them in most of WMAs, which actually starts in two days. So September first, which will be two days before. Well, I don't know. The podcast recording gets weird, but so we're talking about it two days before the season starts. And we're talking about the uh, neutral season. Yeah, neutral season starts. I think it's September first on Salvador, okay. which you're still allowed to shoot five of them. Now, what's the what's the regulations on that? Say you have a camp out of a uh, old school bus canal or something like that. You got neutrals in that area. Are you not allowed to shoot them? Like I said, I only know what I know based on the last year. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't really looked into it. So we'll continue the Nutra season yeah. or Nutra talk. We'll get a little more information so, for the I know on basic Sal- redneck that wants to go yeah. out and have you know. Yeah. I know on Salvador, and this is what I'm gonna say, is there is a season for it. I believe it's from September first to March thirty first. Which Make sure before you go do this, go check it out. Because if you say, well, I heard it on the B-Side Outdoor Podcast, I'll be like, I prefaced it with, I think. <laughs> <laughs> take, take what you hear on here with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, and I always salt. say, go check your regulations before you go out. Because it could change. Like, for some something could happen. Oh, you know it changes every year. Yeah. And, or it could even now, and they'd be like, well, look, we're, we're almost out of neutral. We don't want to, you know, kill any more of them. Because I don't think that'll ever be. A I, I don't think it will because in, but you never know. at six months old they can have a litter of like six, and yeah, they it's like they're like rabbits, which they really do taste like rabbit. But what would be, well, I wonder what that would be like, man? If the uh, <laughs> if the market really jumped up for things like um, Nutra meat, like like literally at the grocery store, or yeah. raccoon meat, beaver meat, things of that sort. That's so. I wonder why that's not like a really out there kind of kind of thing. You really don't see that anywhere. Yeah, I know. I don't know because right now the whole thing with really, I think the problem with the Nutra is that the only incentive to kill them is the six dollars a tail, because there's literally none of the fur buyers buy their hides anymore. Yeah, they well, I mean, the fur fur buying these days really isn't. Yeah, yeah it's you know, like a, but I, I'm, I'm talking aside from the tail. The just the meat. Yeah. I mean, they eat the same thing as a rabbit. Yeah, eat the same thing as a squirrel. Essentially, I mean, it's... yeah. So they they're really good meat, and we'll start to wrap this up with the Nutra talk and trapping of Nutras because we're sitting at about fifty minutes right now. Plus, we need a little more information on them to to give you all uh, if you're interested in trapping or or uh, anything of that sort. We need a little more information for you guys. Yeah. So. Let's. Um, we actually had one of Chris's partners reach out and say, "Man, he would like to hear more about trapping." And so, what I'm going to say is the national nationaltrapper.com. If you ever want to learn anything about trapping, that is probably the best reference for it. And they have what they call BPMs, and for every fur bearer, they will have a different BPM, and it talks about. So it's. The Nutrata glance is what there says, and it talks about what they look like. If you've never seen a Nutra, you've seen a beaver. It's a little bit smaller. Their fur is a like kind of like a 
brown, but it has some reddish tint to it almost. They got some big orange teeth, and their tail looks like a rat tail. Yeah, that's that's not the only reason they got the uh, last name, first name, neutral last name, rat. Their hair looks like something off the Ninja Turtles in the sewer. <laughs> They're not lying. But what's crazy is, uh, you know, my wife, one of them, she wouldn't touch Nutra, I mean, with a 10-foot pole. It doesn't matter how you cook it. Um, I've personally never tried it. I've heard great things about it. I wouldn't be against trying Nutra meat uh, cooked any which way. It doesn't matter. You know how we do things down here. If it ain't fried, I mean, hell, we'll, we'll give it a whack. Yeah, I mean. Like <laughs> Either I, that or some, some gravy and rice. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll pretty much eat anything that. We'll eat anything. We're not even gonna say anything like that'll right. kill you, bite back, because we'll eat it. But you so, what the thing is about the Nutra is there's a stigma that oh, it's nasty, it's all bit. So their list of foods are roots, ry- rhizomes. I have no idea what that is, and basal portions of plants. So basically, they eat grasses, bushes, lilies, reeds, cottontails, and rabbit food. Cattails, cat not cottontails. Rabbit food. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If you're willing to throw some rabbit on some rice over some gravy, try Nutrimeat. Try Nutrimeat. Talk to uh, Pelican Bone and talk to B-Side Outdoors. Come trapping season. Get you. Yeah. Try it out. I mean, why not? So, Jerky, you know? What, uh, the reason the Nutra is actually here is back in the 1800s, there was what they called a huge fur boom. And Nutra was actually a pelt that was very valuable at the time. So they brought them over here. And then somebody had the brilliant idea that, oh, maybe we could, tr- we could control the hydrangeas with them, which is water lilies, which is another invasive species to South Louisiana. Which we still have. Which we still have. Well, when they started trying to see this, they realized the Nutra don't really like the lilies as much as the natural vegetation. Right. So. And by that time, by that time, the population well, was so far gone. So, well, what it was no is they were raising them like they do with minks and minks farms. So they were raising them in South Louisiana because they're from South America. So the habitat here was very similar. And they would take them, raise them in farms, and then they're going to get out. They're going to get away. And, of course, they can live here. A lot of people don't realize they're all over the Gulf Coast. They're all they're in parts of Mexico, parts of California, parts of the Pacific Northwest. And if you want to say trapping's wrong, California has a trapping ban. So they can't <laughs> trap at all. They're in California, and California at one point I think was paying sixty dollars a rat that trapper, really? that their nuisance trappers were going trapped. Yeah, but a cheeseburger's thirty, <laughs> yeah. so you know. But still, I mean, sixty dollars, yeah. like to get rid of them because they're they burrow. That's that's the other portion of it is they burrow. Besides eating everything the, in the yeah, marsh, the the vegetation on it, they burrow. Right. And when they burrow, they create holes. Well, when there's no vegetation on top to hold this stuff there, it collapses. So. But, and then when your heavier set guys are moving across a marsh yeah. to uh, duck hunt, you know, kind of like myself, you go hip deep in a hole. That's not yeah. that's not fun. So, at four to nine months, they can start having babies. 
and it takes them 130 to 132 days to have a litter. And I'm sure not far after they have those, they're yeah. doing it again. And of course, they're fully bored and ready to eat when they're bored. Like, of course. So, if, if y'all haven't watched any of the videos of me and Vinny Nutra hunting, like, some of them are really, like, they have one of them where we're walking through the marsh, and he's like, oh, it looks like we're not the only thing ha uh, hunting Nutra. We found literally a patch of fur from one and just the nose of a baby Nutra. Jeez. Like, that was it. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, they ate everything. That was back off Salvador. Salvador, huh? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's another thing, man, going back to the WMA. Um, you know, just, just WMA talk. I know we were touching up on licenses and fees and whether you like it or not and blah, 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 this and that. But one of the main, you know, that was a very negative, uh, <clears throat> negative aspect about these WMAs and new regulations, I feel like. Let's let's kind of touch on the fact that you know, for somebody who doesn't own property, which is you know nine out of ten of us, or or even more, I feel like um, the WMA really does open up doors for you to do everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can run jug lines, you can squirrel hunt, rabbit hunt, hunt hogs, you could deer hunt, you could duck hunt, uh, you can trap, and I mean trapping is. Is a variety of animals. You know, there's coyote uh, trapping. There's a neutra, a raccoon, beaver. Um, so, all in all, on the WMAs, you know, yeah, money goes up, everything goes up, costs go up. But, you know, if you have kids, or even if you and a buddy just want to get out and and go experience, not just Southeast Louisiana, wherever you're at, um, on a WMA, they have it. You know, they have their rules and regulations, and that's okay. It's all for conservation. Um, but it does provide an area for you, your kids, your, your partners to get out and, and go enjoy the outdoors. And that's what I think, um, other than the updated fees and regulations, is something you want to focus on is the fact that you have such a large area all across whatever state it is you're in that you're you're able to to hunt i was just in idaho um for a cousin for a cousin's wedding and we go out to this property to go shoot which we do every time we visit family up there you know and they were telling me that 65 percent of that state is all public hunting grounds and another interesting about those public hunting grounds they allow, I forget what bill it is, um, we could touch back on another episode after I talk to my cousins, but there's a bill that they have that allows their cattle to graze across these public uh, hunting areas. Yeah. And that's, it, it all ties in one way or another. You know, a WMA is not all, uh, just because of the fees and the rules and regulations, isn't, isn't, all, isn't all bad, you know. Um, you know, if you want to experience the outdoors, Get out on a WMA. It uh, it, it'll really open your eyes up to new things, you know. Yeah, I mean, WMAs are great. Like, I'm fortunate enough to have relatives that I can go deer hunt with on private property with nice box stands to where when it's raining, I can go sit four or five hours and it's storming, you know, in between and be like, well, I'm not getting wet. Right, Except for the right. occasional that we missed the board up there, the screw leaks. But that's neither here nor there. That's bad. That's, that's hunting, man. Yeah. That's hunting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's your biggest gripe. You right. Don't have to... 
first world problems yeah. over here with Frank. And yeah. <laughs> so it, I always laughed the first time I ever hunted on this property. I called it the petting zoo because literally he he showed me around the property when we first got there. Or the well, no, the first morning he just dropped us off at a stand and drove off in the dark. And then the second You're talking about your uncle in law. Yeah, yeah. My uncle in law. So the, <clears throat> then the second one he turns around and he's like. The, then he drives us around the afternoon in the property. He's like, oh, we got to go fill the feeders. So you go fill the feeders. And then that afternoon, he puts us in a stand. And he dri- and I watch him drive off through the food plot. And a deer pops out right behind him. Like, <laughs> like, like they're just like, you know? oh, side by side? Okay. Oh, yeah. Food. <laughs> yeah, like, food. like they, they, it, they just. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we were trying to get riders set up? Was that preseason or postseason hog hunting we were trying to do? Oh, no, no. We were trying to get him a shooting lane set up. Oh, with that deer. Back in Amos. So, Frank and I. That was that was before Hurricane Ida. So, it was preseason uh, it was, last it year. Was, yep. And Ida, man, Ida. Frank and I put in some work on this property. And Ida came through and just slaughtered pretty much 85% of the trees in that area. And that was just a... Um, you know, it was just, it was sad. It, it was sad to see. But uh, on the lighter side, so I don't know if you've watched any of B-Side's uh, videos with, with Frank and I in them. We're not small people. We're, we're not small people by any means. So you got these two guys in the woods sweating, two weed eaters running, full of mud. And uh, I look back, and I'm not even kidding you. I see a, I see a four-point, and I'm like, Frank's still weeding, wide open. And I'm like, Frank, Frank. I'm yelling at Frank. He looks back, kind of mad. What? I'm like, bro, kill it. He's like, why? I'm like, and I, I do what I feel is an international sign for a buck. I throw my hands up over my head. Over my head and he goes, what? I'm like, dude, look over there. I'm not even joking yet. Two guys weeding midday. Hotter than hell. Okay, midday. There's a buck. Probably what? I don't know. 50 yards if that 50 if that both a, both the property is only 120 yards wide so if that <laughs> yeah if that so uh <clears throat> so oh no not 120 60 yeah, i'm sorry 60. So, he might have been and, yeah he's probably 35 yards so up. like we're in the center of one piece one parcel of land that right. we can hunt you got and a 15 yard wide gravel road and then he's like Within 15 yards of oh, the road. That, right. So I was I was over exaggerating. I'm so getting excited. I, like, I love seeing deer. So I'm, I'm over exaggerating as usual. The bass was this big, you know. But uh, so broad daylight, sweat. I mean, just it's hot. It's hot. And typically, you know, if you're from down here, you know it's it's warm. Preseason is is warm down here, so you don't really see a lot of deer movement. But uh, not only that, like I said, you have two. Uh, gas-powered machines just running. So I tell Frank to kill it. He kills it, and I'm staring at this buck. He was a little young dude, and uh, that was actually the first time I've ever seen a deer uh, stomp and grunt at me, and that that was kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> man, you, you start seeing some of these deer though, and like on that on that piece I was talking about with my wife's uncle, we had an old nanny doe that you know she she was probably. I don't know deer. I don't know how old deer get, but she was old. She's I've seen, actually heard of bucks growing up to be fifteen. Now yeah. I don't know how prominent that is, but 
I've, I've heard of uh, people finding 15 year old deer. So, but she That's would crazy. sit there, and normally you hear a doe that'll like blow, which is a. <sighs> You know, that's pretty much what it sounds like. This one would do, like, yell at you, like, hey, hey, we got a guy over here. Hey, we got a dude. But, and she was, and I'm telling you, that was one of them deer that I had respect for, but if I'd have ever seen her, I'd have put her on the ground. Hammer drop. Hammer drop. Like, she was so old. She was aggravating because there was. I'll tell you, the the, the first time I. The first time I ever bow hunted, I was sitting there, and I had a raccoon. It's probably 9 in the morning, 8 in the morning. I had a raccoon come in. Now, this was the first time I'd ever had my bow in my hands and uh, saw an animal. So I'm like, you know, let me draw back on this animal and um, see if he hears me, sees me, anything like that. Um, and he didn't. You know, he was just doing his thing. So obviously, I, I drew down. I didn't shoot him. And uh, but he's sitting there just munching on my corn. I'm like, this little son of a gun. I'm like, you know what? Let me let me scare him off, get him off my damn corn pile. Even though you know that night, him and ten of his buddies are coming back to get it. So I go, hey, and he looks at me, stands up, looks at me, and then runs up this tree. When I tell you this sucker screams, I mean, just like he's got a microphone, he screams like, hey, there's a fat dude right by this corn. Don't come over here. I was mad. I was mad. <laughs> but uh, what I was getting about with that deer, and it, this is the frustrating stuff I'm talking about, um, especially on your WMAs or, or even your private property. You got two guys in the woods weed-eating, okay, and there's a buck. Yeah, young buck, but he's a buck 30 yards away. Now, I'll let you get up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and get out there and not see a thing. You're like, what am I doing wrong? What's going on here, you know? Well, that's like we... I went to film you on a hunt one time back there, and it's like 9.30 in the morning. We, we get tired <sighs> of sitting. Yeah. We're like, all right, let's head out. And that was the same morning I had that little, whatever it was, like weasel or something run up to me. Yeah, And yeah. like before I could do anything, I didn't want to react real fast, but before I could do anything, he stood there and looked at me like, hey, what are you? Anyway, hey, what are you doing so here? he runs off. But So we're walking out like 9.30 in the morning, and we watched two or three deer run right across the road. And they weren't even they weren't even running. No, like dude, they, they were, were just, just easing across the road. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, what what are we doing wrong? You know, what are we doing wrong? It gets disheartening sometimes. It I, really does. I mean, so you could put in all the prep you want in the world, and at some point, hunting comes down to almost luck. Because it, it can does. be perfect it's, conditions. It, to an extent. You could pattern a deer, get perfect conditions, and something happens. And, for, like, let's say the night before, you know, a tree blew down across a road. A limb fell down. Well, he got spooked to go left instead of right on the path, and he won't even walk near you. Right. As a So, it to some extent, it's a... Do you know on that property... The, the property we hunt i uh so the the property setup is about 700 yards of woods and then there's probably a 60 yard piece of a uh, clear cut and then i'd say another 80 yards maybe 100 yards of woods and then a train track so i'm hunting smack dead in the middle of these 80 yard chunk of woods and i look i can see the clear cut but not clear enough to make a good shot 
So about seven o'clock in the morning, which I find is when a lot of them move, um, I'm seeing a, just a herd. I mean, it looks like horses running through, does running through this this clear cut, and I'm like, God bless. Let me hunt this clear cut. So I move, I make a move to the clear cut, and that same morning, I see him move on the opposite side of that 80-yard draw. And I'm like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> what, what is going on right now, you know? Yeah, that, that's what's disheartening sometimes. <laughs> I mean, look, guys, that's hunting. That's yeah. hunting, bro. That's, that's just going to be what it is. But it's just like... You know, you see him moving through. You look for sign. You see him moving through here. You're like, okay, I'm going to set up, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards away. And then you see him moving 150 yards the opposite direction. You're like, okay, let me go set up 40 yards off of that. And then they're back where you were in the first place. So I guess what I'm getting to is, is don't be hasty in your decisions when you're hunting. Even your private lands, or especially your hunting lands. Hunt what you know. You know, find them. Find sign and, and and sit on it. Set a camera out, and um, you know, try to try to get in touch with them. Then, yeah, and sometimes you can't pattern them because, like, like back there, they, there's no way to pattern them just because the issue with with the patterning them back there is. So we might not have all these people hunting this property. But they use this access road to access their property. So they're walking across right. areas. There's a lot of foot traffic in that area. Or even still, there's been times that I've pulled up back there to go shoot. And, you know, just go shoot. We'll be shooting into a berm. And they're parked their truck to where you can't see it when they're back there. And two dudes come drawing, right, walking through the woods. It's like, right. bro. What are you, what are you doing I, on like, his property? Yeah, like... <laughs> You, you realize, like, that you legally cannot access anybody's property from here. Right. Like, and we don't know either one of y'all. Like, <laughs> if your property's <laughs> landlocked, just just make the walk. Yeah. You know, just make the walk. But, but uh, so like Frank was saying, what what do you say when we did the uh the, the hunt together? You saw a weasel. You said. Oh yeah. So that reminds me of uh, that that hunt I was talking about. <laughs> The uh, the double miss and then the connect. I uh, I showed up to that clear cut that morning. I don't know if I told you about that. I saw two otters uh, at the feeder that morning, and I'm like, oh, I see eyes. Whatever raccoons, you know, I couldn't really see. I just saw the reflection of the eyes. So I'm, when I tell you I'm sitting just in this wood line, I mean I'm two feet, three feet into this wood, this wood line, you know. So the sun starts coming up, and I see these does coming in. And then that's when these two little otters start coming my direction, and they're walking smack on this woodline. I'm like, I bet you five dollars, one of these things is gonna scream at me, and it's all over with. <laughs> this this hunt's over with. But uh, little did I know, um, there was gonna be a lot of things going on that morning before I actually made the connect on on a deer. Which, funny enough, my wife brought up to me uh, a few minutes ago. <laughs> she said. <laughs> She said, you, you should get back on that hunt and uh, let these people know how hideous that deer was. <laughs> so, technically, technically it was a six-point, but when I tell you it looked like it had been smacked in the face with an 18-wheeler several times, um, yeah, I mean it. I wish uh, – I'm going to get Frank to take a picture of the, the horns 
And uh, he's going to post them on uh, the Instagram page and uh, maybe do a short about it on the YouTube page. Uh, what, what did you say there, Frank? Yeah, I'm trying to actually look right now so I can exactly remember how it looked. But so It looked like a Picasso. That's <laughs> what it looked like. So the deer have gotten in this area so used to crawling underneath train cars that it don't even slow them down. As crazy as that sounds, like they see a train car, they're like going right under it. Yeah, I wish I could move on a train car that easy, Frank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when we, um, so my, me and my boss were talking about it after he shot his deer, and I was like, "Yeah, man, you ought to see this deer," and I showed it to him. And right now, I'm trying to scroll to the Instagram so I can get the picture. <clears throat> I posted it on Instagram. I think the morning he shot the deer. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know if we had the page up back then, though. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That was like, oh, we weren't, it we wasn't did. that long. We it did, was, because I remember saying the one morning I should have had a camera. Yeah. You're right, you're right. So, as, as I'm saying, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I'm terrible at multitasking. But... No, not Frank. <laughs> not the guy that tripped 17 times on a boat one morning. <laughs> I remember your last podcast. You talked about that. That was the first one. And I don't want to get off cue. I don't want to get off cue. But, bro, what I'm telling you, this dude is like Lieutenant Dan out there. He ain't got no legs. I'm like, Frank, what are you doing? Then he lost his hat three times. Yeah. But let's, yeah. <laughs> let's stick with So, originally when I shot the deer and uh, found it, the, uh, the property owner that I had permission to hunt on, he was – I feel like he was more excited than I was. Um, when he saw this buck, yeah, but you really can't see. Uh, no, you can't, you really can't see. see. I'm, we're we're going to get an updated picture. The, the picture Frank posted really wasn't, um, doesn't do it justice. But uh, the landowner, this is how excited he was when, when I brought this deer up. He actually called like five of his neighbors to come see this thing. And, and Wait, hold on, hold on. Five of his neighbors is like five of his relatives. It's all. It was all his family. Let's be honest. It was all his family. So I went from being excited, like, I mean, literally almost in tears when I found this thing excited, to being almost like embarrassed. I was like, wait, are these dudes uh, making fun of me? Or They genuinely thought that, that the, the antlers on this buck was just um, not astonishing, but just you're gonna have to see it you guys are gonna have to go visit uh the b-side instagram to see this thing it's it's a wily looking buck it really was and and frank and i you know neither one of us are biologists but uh <laughs> we were we were trying to run through certain things um genetically speaking you know a lot of guys don't shoot a bunch of does yeah kind of thing so we're gonna post this on the b-side instagram uh you guys get on there let us know what you think um, could could be the issue with this buck. So I'm going to actually tell you what me and my boss came up with while we were talking about it. He had pictures of what he believes that deer <clears throat> when it was in velvet on hit, on where he hunts, not too far if from there. If you can get that picture from, uh, from him, let me know. Yeah, I'd I like will. to see that. So what we think might have happened is that when he – it might have – he looked like a young deer. He didn't look very old. Like no, no. Like it was, was probably the first time he grew any head, real headgear. Yeah, yeah. So he might have not realized it was up there when it was in velvet. Yeah. And he smacked it on underneath the crane. Cracked it on. And, and, and it rolled it back. Rolled it, it over. It was a fully formed antler. Oh it, yeah. It no, wasn't. It yeah, wasn't fully. like it broke off. And it actually, he actually did have a tine that was broken off. Did he? Yeah. 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 
So that may have happened. But So what we think is that he hit it, rolled it back, and it finished growing like that. And then obviously he wasn't doing any fighting with that because he'd have been poked in the eyeball as soon as that. Was and he happened. wasn't he wasn't all skin and bones. I mean he weighed yeah. out, um, he weighed out 155 pounds, which which for a swamp deer for a swamp is, yeah swamp donkey right. is uh that's about right. I mean your does back there are running maybe 70 pounds, 80 pounds, and that's a big the, doe back the, there. The, fir- the first time I ever seen a doe, or it was a spike <clears throat> that came out from there, was uh, the property owner. We were, we were out. I was out feeding a stand like ten o'clock in the day, and where the property owner hunts is past the second set of tracks, and a box stand, and the deer cross at like eleven o'clock every day. Yeah. So yeah. like where we quit hunting at nine thirty because the deer ain't moving no more, they're just starting to move by him, and he sat there and I heard him shoot. So in the time it took him to shoot. I was like, oh, I finished dumping the corn. I walked out to the road. And by that time, he was coming up the road. Now, he's done walked like 60 yards in the swamp. Yeah. Grabbed this deer, walked it back about 120 yards to the train tracks, <laughs> thrown it in his truck. <laughs> and he pulls That's up. That's probably more like, than 120 minutes. That stands it, back dude, there. Yeah. That stands back but there. But, yeah, it, I mean, like, the time. We're, we're it, talking 200. Yeah, the say. time it took me to walk out the woods. You know, he doesn't drug a deer up the road. He doesn't drug a deer. And put it when, in the back of his truck. What? The deer's kicking in the back of the truck. <laughs> We're not talking swamp lightly. We're talking no. uh, over the knees in some areas. <laughs> over the knees. You definitely have to be dedicated to hunt yeah. this area. Uh, it's work. It, it's work to get back there, especially if you do harvest something. You, you get ready to sweat. Get ready to sweat. If you're a bigger guy like me, get ready to be out of breath as well. And yeah, so well. Like you said, go check out our Instagram, which is at B underscore outdoors. Or, I'm sorry, B underscore side outdoors. We're going to have an updated picture of this. Uh, this monster. Yeah, this, this monster. Um, and not by size means. <laughs> not by size. And Swamp thing. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Louisiana Outdoor Experience because... We're in a... Uh, we're we're in a transitional period with these names. Well, no, so Facebook doesn't like companies changing their names on Facebook. So a lot of times when you change a name, it has to be very similar. Well, B-Side Outdoors and Louisiana Outdoor Experience I thought would have been similar enough, and it's not. So instead of dropping that page and starting a new one, I would rather just keep it there. Right, but right. also we're at TikTok at B underscore side outdoors, and YouTube, you can find us at by searching us either B side or you can also search Louisiana Outdoor Experience. It comes up too because the website name you can't change. I didn't realize that, and, and it's still Louisiana. Yeah, <laughs> but and with uh with bow season, uh, what are we uh? Uh, a little over a month away. Yeah. A month and a few days away from opening week in a bow season. You guys look out for some new content. I know um, I'm going to be doing – I don't know, if Frank, are you going to be hunting the opening weekend? So – A bow? I don't know. Okay. I I will be doing opening weekend at, at, at matter of fact, back on the WMAs. Um, I'll be doing opening weekend with my brother um, at a new area – 
down here in southeast Louisiana. Uh, so y'all be on the lookout for some new content. Um, I'm not going to give anything away, but I do know that things are looking promising. Um, now, uh, the guys I hunt with aren't necessarily up to video a hunt, but we can definitely show you guys the, the aftermath. And I'll tell you, from pictures we have, it's looking promising this year. Uh, I'm glad we made the move. I'll tell you that now. We do have some nice deer on camera. Um, I'm going to have to talk to them about posting those pictures. You know how some guys, they, they, it's like, uh, you know, don't you, tell nobody where we're at. Know. And, I, and I agree with that. If you're the guy that puts in 10 to 15 miles a day walking in the middle of August, I don't want you to know where I'm hunting either. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest, you know? Yeah, so my thing is, if you ever see me post anything about Louisiana public land, the only reason I say it that way Anytime I video anything or like that, or pictures on Instagram, is because I don't want people seeing it and then being like, oh, that's where it's at. Right. Because right. And it's not to be stingy, dude. No, it's not to be stingy. It, it's not. But it, you put if, in the you, work. if you hunt and you fish, you, you know what we're talking yeah. about as far as. And, and look, I've got guys that, that I've put on fish. You know, I, I don't have anybody I put on necessarily deer or pigs, but. I've got guys that I've put on areas that that we've consistently caught fish, and that's 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 my choice. You know, that's that's I'm okay with that. But as far as me hunting in an area where somebody else, I'll be honest, did most of the legwork, um, I'm not gonna give their their keys away. I just can't do that to them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now, if they want to come on the podcast and talk about it, that's 100 percent on them. You know. But you know, and that's like like I'm saying is Louisiana public land, you can tell what region of the state you're in. If, you, if you're good enough... Well, like, not good enough, but well, if you if hunt you, it. Yeah, yeah if, if you if hunt you it, you're under, like, okay, that's... If you understand, let's, like... So, a lot of people are in tune to... They can look and be like, that looks similar to XYZ management area. Right, right. And they'll be able to figure, figure out some of that stuff. But, look, if... We're not spot dropping, guys. No, we're not gonna spot drop. <laughs> we're not spot dropping. But there, there's some of the like, there's times I go watch YouTube videos and I'll be like, bro, I recognize that. Spot. Right, right. Like there is no doubt in my mind what is that. <laughs> right, you, <laughs> you know. And look, there's a, there's a handful of guys that do the same thing. You know, they'll they'll black out the background or they'll they'll take down pictures only, and um, you know the. The few pictures I've shared to the page um, from deer that was not mine or, or sheds that weren't mine, I asked permission, and the only thing I've gotten in return was, yeah, no problem, just uh, leave the area out. And typically what I'll do is I'll take a picture or if I take a video, I'm sending it to Frank, and I'm passing that message on to Frank. He does all the editing, and, uh, you know, if I had to edit something, I'd probably jump off the roof. I'll be honest. <laughs> but, uh... So, like I said, we're not spot dropping, but be on the lookout for new content. Hunting season is among us. I know a lot of guys are like, how do you do it? It's uh, August, and I'll, I'll throw one thing out that we're not sponsored by is Thermosel. <laughs> <laughs> that thing, uh, the wife actually takes that to baseball games. So, so, if that's not proven, I don't know what it is. So, this, this is my pro tip to anybody that wants to do it. You know, they make them cool thermocells that have propane, and you click them, and it gives you like 15 feet of uh, 
of area covered. Yeah, get two of those. Well, no, hold on. <laughs> two of those. So they also make what they call the Radius, which is a battery-powered version that you put in, like, for your patio. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I do is I carry that in my bow bag. So I'll I, I'll take now, that. Now, what's the cost difference between that and uh, the it's and not regular thermos? It's, okay. it's really not. It's because I was gonna say if you broke like the rest of the I want to say oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it might be like twenty five bucks or thirty bucks. That's about the same cost. Yeah, that's about so, the same cost. And then the the little wicker things you get in it is like forty eight hours worth of. Oh wow! So, now look, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I don't know if you guys. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it's a hunting podcast, so I'm sure. No, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Venice or even Hopedale or uh, anything out in the marsh come duck season. So, to give you a kind of a kind of a frame of what we're talking about here, I was in a 17 foot boat with three guys. Well, two other guys. We had three thermocells running. And uh, it was it was just keeping the gnats off us. And when I tell you that was necessary, I was about to cover myself myself in uh, as my brother-in-law calls it, bupuri, which is that swamp hood. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really good, I think, with gnats is the uh, they call it Cajun romance. And like duck hunting, it doesn't matter what you smell. The like. Cajun romance, dude. My yeah. brother like swears by that. Also, Victoria's Secret makes one, and I. I can't think of the Amber Romance. Amber Romance is the name of but, it. But uh, and you better have pictures of yourself hunting because you're going to come home and smell like another woman. That's one good thing about your video. Wife, your wife my... might not like that. <laughs> so so that's, that's one thing about video is that it's like, I, have I, proof. I was fishing. I have <laughs> proof, yeah. <laughs> Every time I put it on. So, Especially if you're coming home empty-handed. You better have some kind of proof you was out there. So with... When y'all went duck hunting last year, which that video is up on the YouTube, go check that out. That is probably the biggest coot shoot I have ever seen. Which which a lot of guys gave us um, the blues about that. Because, you know, a lot of guys, they'll say, oh, what, you ran up on them. No. No, I tell you, this was my first year doing a, a, a huge duck hunt like this. I've duck hunted here and there over the years, not anything to talk about. So this was my first time really camping out there. And, and I mean, we spent five days out there. And uh, when I tell you there was an island of these things just coming up on us, I mean we're, we're talking three, four hundred birds. I didn't even know they moved like that, Frank. Like you see, you see Pudu, and it's like, oh, there's twelve of them, and they're coming in on you, or, or six of them, dude. There was three hundred of these birds coming in, and uh, one of my buddies was like, man, we ain't shooting them old birds. I'm like, wait a minute, that they're on the they're on the list of things that you can shoot. They have a limit. You know, I I have to come home with meat, which is what fifteen. I think? It's um, <laughs> or is it thirty? No, man, it's like twenty five a person is per it? day. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But no, I'm like, look, guys, my wife let me come down here. I'm shooting something. Like we're shooting stuff, and uh, we actually ended up killing twenty two birds in about I don't know two minutes. If that, I mean, it might have been. I don't even think it was that. I think it might be like... Put it to you like this. Uh, all three of us had reloaded and, and sent sent some more out. Yeah, all three of it, us it was like... Yeah. And I mean, it's within like 30 seconds, maybe. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, like I said, it's context of time when, when you're having that much fun. So, so what's bad about when they get the big floats like that is that you'll shoot sometimes and be like, shoot three shells in it. Well, a shotgun spreads when you shoot. 
it, a lot of times you'll be like, damn, there's two of us in the boat. We just shot <sighs> 50 birds and threw in three shots. Luckily for you, <laughs> luckily for you, they allow you to have that many birds. Yeah. And it's like... Which, I mean, you're not going to shoot 50. No, we, if, if you go to the YouTube page and look and watch that video, um, like I said, there's three of us in a boat, and we, we reloaded and, and sent them back out again and still ended up with 22. So, you know, to shoot your limit, I mean, that's a high, high standard. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's definitely a, definitely a meat haul. Now, but I got to tell you, that was the... I mean, first and then hopefully until this season coming, the last time I've seen anything come in on anybody like that. Yeah. Um, but so while y'all were doing that, me and Vinny went out to Hopedale. And it was the first time I ever fished Hopedale. <clears throat> yeah. So, like, I think the Hopedale video came out because I could edit it while y'all were still in Venice. Right, right. And then I got the eight days worth of footage (laughs) (laughs) and you know i'll be honest i was looking for this like extravagant (laughs) like this you know 20 minute long 30 minute long video because i had like uh it was 101 gigs of data yeah i had like i mean i had five days of what i thought was quality quality a normal video is like 20 gigs Like, and that's a thirty-minute video at times with twenty. Yeah, gigs. this one, this one's a hundred one gigs, a five-minute video. I'm like, Frank, what in the hell happened to the to the to the Venice video? And that was my fault. So I'm not the the video guy. I'm the guy that calls Frank, and I say, Hey, we're going fishing tomorrow. He's the guy that's like, Okay, I got thirty cameras. I want to put on your boat. And, uh, you know, I want to hit all these angles. And I'm like, cool, no problem. Hey, Frank, we're going to the woods. We're going to do this. He's the camera guy. He he looks at it from a different angle. And, I, um, you know, he does put in a lot of work. Uh, he, I mean, he edits, he videos, he, you know, for me holding a camera, I look like a, a monkey with a football. But so this year, this year, I have a different approach to how we're going to video uh, Venice, and, and hopefully get you guys some better content. Um, I'm hoping to bring a few more cameras down there because uh, one GoPro isn't enough to catch the whole blind because you got teal coming in from the left, coming in from the right, coming in overhead. You know, it's hard to get all the angles. And I think, um, didn't you just get a, um, a shot cam? Yeah, so I bought a shot cam at the end of last season because they were on sale and i think that's gonna hold some really good footage yeah and what's what i'm excited about with the shot cam though and i'm gonna put a little more experienced shooter on that one yeah out of out of the three of us um you know (laughs) but you know you get some of these shot cam like the shot cam will really be a different perspective and not only that even if you guys go get a shot cam for your own personal use to show okay I'm shooting in front, I'm shooting over, yeah. I'm shooting behind. That's a – so it, it, it'll help you. And not only that, we'll get some good footage. Hopefully. So what's really cool about a shot cam, and this will help you even ski- – like they say take it skeet shooting with you before the season. I mean, who, yeah. Because right. who would, you, know? you can sit there and edit the video or watch the video, see how the, the skeet's exploding and say, oh, this is what I'm doing wrong. I'm not following through. I'm not – Right. It comes with a manual that tells you 
if this is what happens when you do this, this is what's wrong. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, cool. And I started playing with the shot cam because I was like, man, I don't know how I'd like it on big game hunting. Have you used it yet? I've never shot anything with it. I mean, have you, you haven't been ski shooting or nothing yet? No, I haven't done anything. With Dude, it. let's go. Let's go. I let's mean, go. but like I said, so I bought, I bought it, and I took it turkey hunting with me. I didn't shoot a turkey. Right. That right. turned into a foraging video. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I t- we were we were scouting a new area. This was uh this was a Corps of Engineers property, and uh, we we're scouting this new area for deer or hogs. I mean, you know whatever's out there. So, I'm looking, and uh, you're looking for sign, you're looking for rub, scrapes, this and that, just anything, you know, you're scouting. Y'all know what scouting is. So, I hear Franco, dude, and takes off running. I didn't know if there was a snake under his boot, or he saw a deer, or what was going on. He runs up to a tree full of mushrooms. And I'm like, this, bro, it's like scouting with a kid with ADHD or something like that. I swear to God. Y'all really have to, y'all go watch the YouTube videos of us going fishing. Y'all go enjoy that. It, it's, it's, something to, it's something to laugh at, at, at the minimum. So, yeah, it's definitely one of them things. Like, I, like I'm the biggest O-squirrel person ever. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, honestly, there's nothing wrong because it's, it's exciting. There's, there's nothing wrong getting excited about the outdoors, man. And at, so at the time of this video, we were, um, my neighbor had actually just made a video on foraging for mushrooms, and that was probably the funniest. Like the the guy he went with was just completely hilarious, and um, so like he but he was telling he's like, yeah, I don't think any mushrooms that grow on trees are psychedelic or <laughs> <laughs> poisonous. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. not something you want to be second guessing about. So, but. This was definitely oyster mushrooms. Like, I know what they are. I know what they look like. Now you do. At well, the time, you're like, ah, it's, it's a 50-50. I knew what an oyster mushroom yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, And, <laughs> but what was funny is, so after we filmed that video, and I got really excited about oyster mushrooms, <laughs> I have a buddy that I met his girlfriend, I think, for the first or second time. And I'm looking at her arm, and I was like, is that an oyster mushroom, like, above your elbow? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And she's like, you are the first person to ever know what that is. <laughs> if anybody's going to know what somebody's oyster mushroom tattoo is, it's going to be Frank, I promise she, you. She said, everybody always asks me where the other half is. <laughs> Thinking it's supposed to be an oyster. <laughs> like I said, if anybody's going to know what somebody's tattoo is when it's mushroom, it's going to be Frank. That's that's hilarious. That's fun. So I guess we're gonna wrap this one out because yeah, we, we dude, were, I've had a great time. This is fun. <laughs> oh, this was this a blast. Fun. So, all right. So the plan was when I do a, a podcast by myself, the plan was always it's gonna be a half an hour by myself because I ramble after around the thirty minute mark. I start rambling really bad. I mean, we both do. Yeah, we both do. But so with a guest, it was supposed to be an hour. Well, not only that, though, we were supposed to touch on specific topics. Um, so if you guys want to give us things that you want to hear about or you want to see on the videos, uh, anything like that, when it comes to um, preparation for deer season or 
uh, you know, we have a uh, 365 hog hunting. So even off season, you can hog hunt down here. If you guys want to see um, how we set up for hogs off season or anything like that, put put that on the page. You know, let us know what you guys want to hear about. Let us know what you guys want to see, and uh, we'll be more than happy to put that on the page. Yeah. So, uh, and we're sitting at like an hour and thirty minutes. Like and, yeah, yeah, but, and we and look, this is something that was just started. So yeah, um, like I said, uh, uh, Frank Frank has a few guys that he wants to bring on. I have a few guys that I want to bring on, and um, you know, these guys hunt other states. They hunt um, just they, they they just do things different ways than we do, and um, I think you guys like to hear about that. So that'll about wrap it up. I'll leave a link tree in the, the show notes below or I think that's what they call it description whatever I don't know I'm new to this I'll probably say this for the next 20 years <laughs> yeah and, and don't forget we're gonna post up that, that swamp that swamp monster up on the uh, at least the Instagram yeah it, well it should be on the Facebook too because it's okay. linked anytime I post anything on them right right but um, so remember thank a veteran and I hope I catch you out on the B side of outdoors <laughs>